I have a friend who's a creator and he says one very interesting thing, right? He says that brands need to be better and start thinking like creators and creators need to be better at business and start thinking like brand owners. And the person who can straddle in between this in 2023, 24, 25, 26 is the person who will have success. Welcome to this premiere episode of First Unicorn Chats. Whether you're a founder looking to build your first unicorn or you're an angel looking at investing in your first potential unicorn, you've come to the right place. We bring you some of the sharpest minds from the global startup ecosystem. Our aim with this podcast is not only to give you an insider's view into the world of venture capital and entrepreneurship, but also highlight the habits, structures, and mindsets of those who have succeeded in this cutthroat world of business. Our guest today is Arjun Vaidya, co-founder at V3 Ventures. You may know Arjun from his previous avatar as founder of Dr. Vaidya's, which went on to become India's first D2C exit. Since his exit in the last two years, he's made 85-odd investments, set up V3 Ventures, and built a personal brand like none other. He's a prolific angel investor, an entrepreneur, and someone I'm very lucky to call a friend. Enjoy this very first episode of First Unicorn Chats. All right, Mr. Arjun Verdea, super pumped to have you here, brother. How are you doing? What's up, Raj? I hope this is the, is this the first episode? This is the premiere episode. Yes. Wow. Wow. So I'm honored. I'm honored to be on this. No, it's, uh, it's great to have you here. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually going to begin this podcast by picking up where you and I left off the last time we met in Bombay, right? Which is, uh, which is personal branding. Just to align the listeners, Arjun went from, uh, uh, he's actually one of the few VCs who's leveraged the power of social media to build his personal brand, right? Uh, so my first question to you, Arjun, is that how do you go from building a D2C brand to changing your mindset to building a personal brand? What was the journey in the middle? Look, I think firstly, uh, I, I'm not so structured about personal brand, right? I think um, I just have had some experiences which I want to talk about and I want to share. And so I started sharing them on a platform that I used to use a lot, LinkedIn. Not so many people are sharing things on LinkedIn. I like the platform. I found it professional and I found people talking about things I was interested in. So I started writing about it. And then like with time, once you do it consistently, you realize that people are actually listening. Right. And so when you realize people are listening and it's actually making some impact, then you want to do it more and more and more. So I think, look, Raj, there's, there's two ways to do it. Right. One is to say you're a creator to talk about what's trending, what's important, what people are talking about. And I have a lot of respect for people who do that. Right? A lot of my friends are creators. I learn a lot about how they are. And I try to implement some of those things in the way I speak as well. Uh, but I'm very clear. I'll only talk about things I know about. If they are niche subjects, so be it. But in that niche, I'll be sort of someone relevant. right? So for example, I did a podcast called Direct to Brilliant Consumers. I only did it audio. And most of my listeners were on Spotify used to get like three, 4,000 listens wow. per episode, complete listens, but that's the D2C ecosystem in India. Right? <laughs> so 
I did not endeavor for hundred thousand listens because I just wanted every TTC founder in India to listen to it. It was a nuanced conversation. It was pretty complex actually, and the people who had to listen to it listened to it, right? And then eventually, um, you know, when you start doing it more and more, you get better and better. Um, and uh, I think look. People ask me like, how do you have so much time to write on LinkedIn? How do you have too much, so much time to share? Um, I think it's my job, right? right? Like, think about it. Uh, as founders sell their businesses and pitch to investors, I want to be the top of mind guy for any consumer founder when they are starting up, right? And so, what are the two metrics that I I sort of judge myself on? And I have to do what I can to get there. Number one, are at least seventy percent of the good consumer founders when they are starting or when they are raising or when they are building their business, reaching out to me or getting connected to me. And number two, do I at least get seventy percent of my LinkedIn messages replied to? If I am doing those things, then I am good at my job. Right. right? And, and that's the. Metrics I hold myself. So, is this uh, are these metrics uh, you know the second order effects and third order effects of actually writing on LinkedIn? Uh, did you guys go, did you go with a strategy when uh, when you were you know did you when you exited or so something that you discovered? How how did I start writing on LinkedIn? Yeah. Right, I started writing on LinkedIn because we operated a business through the early part of the first lockdown. Right, I ran my business pretty much every day from April first. 2020 to June 30, 2020, when most of India was shut, right? After that, things started opening, etc. And those were some wild times. Right? Yeah, yeah. And those stories had to be told, right? Like unloading a 750 kg tempo with five or six people, um, going to the warehouse and packing orders every single day, uh, going and sitting in the BMC office to reopen our factory, uh, launching seven new products in those three months. Running a small R and D setup in my office to get those products out. Those are stories that need to be told. My, um, we used to pack about five to ten thousand orders a day between six people, and so we wanted to do as much work as we could at home, so we were most efficient in the warehouse. So we take the courier bags and pre-label them at home. And I mean, I had my mom, dad, some of the staff at home, my brother, and my grandmom. My grandmom was like. Seventy-nine years old at that time, and she was labeling courier bags. That was the first LinkedIn post that went what I thought was viral, right? Seventeen <laughs> thousand views I got for that post at that time. That time I thought it was a big deal, but that was the first post where I was like, okay, people actually care about what I'm saying. Right? No, very interesting. Yeah, and uh, you also teach uh, a D two C uh, cohort, right, on growth school or something like that. um and uh, correct, correct. i'm quite curious right because uh, what do you tell uh, you know you know fresh d2c founders about hey uh, this is how you build your product brand and this is how you build your personal brand and that's how and this is how the two are linked uh, is there something that you know from both these experiences that yeah, you've got yeah. so how does that how does that conversation go with them so we have a module module 3 in the d2c cohort Called building a brand that's more than a logo, and we talk about nine steps. The eighth step is wearing your brand on your sleeve or embodying the brand. And for that, the slide is me proposing to my wife 
with a packet of livid up before i gave her a ring right and that linkedin post screenshot oh wow so <laughs> i'm a big proponent of wearing your brand on your sleeve um and it doesn't have to be by the way creating content right it could be talking about your brand everywhere you go it could be wearing a t-shirt like i wore a dr vedya's t-shirt every single day to work till a point where my father in law who's in the garments business said dude you can't wear a t-shirt every day so he made me shirts with my company's logo but he was like it looks a little bit tacky that it says dr vedya's so he just took the three leaves and he made shirts with that and he put proudly indian on the on the sleeve and and, and that's it right so um it it could be any of these things it could be talking about your brand everywhere you go it could be selling everywhere you go like i would try my best to ensure that all my friends weddings had my hangover product live it up right that was embodying my brand and my brand today if you meet me at a party in my back pocket i'll always have a packet of live it up and i'll take it out while i'm having my first drink and show it to people that's also embodying your brand right? just about getting a personal because you know writing content sharing it's not for everyone like i tried to convince my wife to do it because she has some amazing stories to tell and very different from mine but it's not for her it doesn't come naturally towards not for her and so she can't do it as much as i can but there's other way she does it right but i think uh, another very good point that you touched upon right is uh, is also that uh, there's always a there's always a story both behind building a personal brand and even uh, behind building a you know uh, just product led growth that you want to do around d2c right and uh, that can that goes across the spectrum it's not limited to d2c it is uh, i remember when when i started disruptors as well right uh, people used to ask me hey why is the infinity sign right so i already always had a story at the back um, even now you know uh, our new venture is called first unicorn right um, and and the first response to people is that hey uh, why why this name and i was like look um, i know a lot of people who like to invest in startups and I'd I'd like to you know help them find their first unicorn, uh, but yeah, so it became FU Capital, right? I was like, hey, that's the side story. But the point is that you know personal branding and product branding it kind of goes hand in hand, right? And, uh, and the, the better you can do uh, the two together, uh, it works out the best. You know, I have a friend who's a I have a friend who's a creator, and he says one very interesting thing, right? He says that brands need to be better. and start thinking like creators and creators need to be better at business and start thinking like brand owners and the person who can straddle in between this in 2023 24 25 26 is the person who will have success that is so so on point that is that is absolutely on point yeah no i think uh, that's uh, that hits the, the nail right on the head we going to move to the next part arjun right uh, the next segment is basically around angel investing and uh, venture capital right uh, for the listeners who don't know arjun is a prolific angel investor um, case in point this is a true story right last week i had two back to back meetings with uh, with two founders and i was asking them hey who's the other uh, who are the other angels who committed right both those meetings you you had those ex- exceptional founders and you had committed to both of them before i had right uh which also goes on to say you know uh talk about the edge that you have in actually building uh building the brand right so walk us through arjun uh what your uh, process is in terms of committing to let's say uh, a fresh founder what do you look at and uh, your process of uh, of angel investing yeah look i think i i i'm not so experienced so the returns will come in the next 2 3 years then we'll see whether i did well or not But I can walk through my process, right? Um, 
I think in an early stage investment, angel, not angel, from a VC fund, I run a VC fund as well. Um, 50% of your bet goes on the founder. And so I have three things I look for in a founder. Who is the person? Why do they have a right to win in that space? Like, for example, I am who I am, but I also had a right to win in Ayurveda because I have 150 yeah. family legacy and a lot of IP in that place. And the third, why will they fight through tough times? Right? Like, what do they have that will make them fight through tough times? Because reality is, look, uh, Raj, any founder you speak to in any business, it could be a Decacon as well, will have had near death moments Absolutely. in their startup. Right? We had, I read this beautiful book, one of the best books on the Indian startup ecosystem by um, Sid Rao, who's unfortunately now passed, called How I Almost Blew It. And he told the story of Anupam Mittal and Kunal Shah and Deep Kalra and um, the Book My Show story and the Flipkart story. And all of these stories had a How I Almost Blew It or a near-death moment. Right? And so I think the third characteristics of, of grit and resilience in a founder is very important. So I would say 50% of my bet or weightage goes here. 20% specifically in consumer goes on market size because, you know, most of the people who angel invest or VC invest come from this Bombay, Delhi, Bangalore ecosystem. And my dad used to always say, you don't live in India. You live in a country called South Bombay. Your consumption is the same as someone in New York, LA, Miami, Hong Kong, San Francisco, Dubai, but that doesn't tell you about India consumption. I'm gluten-free and sugar-free. I can tell you that gluten-free plus sugar-free in India, less than a million people. Less than a million people who actually follow that, right? So it would be very, it would be a very healthy decision, but a very non-prudent investment decision to invest in a gluten-free plus sugar-free company. And so I think thinking about a really large market size from the time of my investment is very important for me. And so 20% of my weightage goes on. Hey, from here, is there 5x, 10x growth even possible in this market? And then the third thing is the more standard stuff that everyone looks at, right? which is business economics and team. So you look at a consumer business, be revenue, revenue growth velocity, cross margin, contribution margin, bottom line, customer acquisition cost, lifetime value, repeat rates. Um, and then we can't under index on team, right? Because one or two people cannot build a business. Um, even WhatsApp, which is one of the most efficient companies that sold to Facebook, had 15 people, right? It was not just the founders, there were 15 people. And so who are those people that are enabling the founder to really make this happen? That's that's three. So 50% founder, 20% TAM, and then 30% business economics and team. That's how I mentally model my investments. Uh, Arjun, how do you, you also invest personally, you also invest through the fund, right? And uh, I know this uh, myself as well, because... When I personally invest, I have a slightly tweaked methodology versus when I'm using other people's money or investing other people's money, right? Uh, could you give me the that slight nuance uh, of a difference, right? Uh, of when you invest in the fund and when you invest. I think uh, it's only it's only one nuance for me, right? Um, I cannot punt when I'm making an investment from the fund. If I think there is a really binary outcome, which could be amazing, or I just want to support someone because I really like them, I cannot do that from the fund. But I can put a small personal check because my money and I can do what I want my money. So I can't punt from the fund. Got it. I'll tell you how, what my difference was. Uh, so when we were at, uh, so at Disruptors, I had come up with a methodology, right? Uh, which is four buckets. Um, the first was the management factor, which was basically 50% of the weightage. 
The second was the opportunity factor, which was about 30%. Then the exit factor and the deal terms, right? This is what I used to look at for, uh, for disruptors. And uh, in that case, you know, for example, within management as well, we used to look at, hey, how much skin in the game does the guy have, right? Um, is there evidence that he's uh, fallen down and gotten back up, right? And what is his expertise in the domain? Um, and, and all of this used to kind of, in earlier the stage, the more important that used to become. Right. Opportunity was all about market, product, competition, etc., etc. Right. Um, when I was looking at personal investments, right, for me it was very simple. And when I was trying to make quick decisions, it was basically the four T's, right? Team, TAM, tech, timing. Right. The only difference for me when I when I was doing a personal investment was that um, I used to kind of think about, uh, not think too much about timing, right? Because I would, you know, if it's my own money, I have a much longer horizon, right? Because some things have a longer gestation. Um, and from a fund perspective, I used to always think like, Hey, um, I don't want to get into something which is going to leave my, uh, you know, capital growth to be idle for a long period of time. When it was my own money, I was okay with it. Right. So I think that was the, that was a slight difference, uh, for me. Yeah. I, I think it's similar thought process, right? Similar. Yeah. And, uh, so Arjun, how many, uh, how many investments have you done so far? From the fund, we are, uh, completed four, fifth one ongoing. Then Angel, maybe 85. Oh my, 85 now? You're going to hit a hit 100 this uh, this year? But you know, I, I don't think it's the... It's like someone said, you know, that's lots of investments and all of that. My answer to them is India is such a big country. I could do even more. Yeah. There's just so many amazing people building things, right? So many amazing people. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many ones I regret I missed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so... If you, and these, these 85 were, I'm guessing, uh, just, and what's the, uh, time span that you invested, uh, this capital in, in the last two, three years, is it? Two years, two years. I didn't make a single investment Raj when I was running Dr. Vegas, not even one. Ah, so it's all, it's not all, even. it's all after the not exit, even. is it? Yeah, I, I, I am a very bad multitasker. Um, and so I, I, I couldn't multitask. I had an opportunity to invest in some amazing companies, by the way, I was part of the DD um, of Shiprocket, for example, which is an amazing company because I was a customer, right? So I, I knew when they were raising their rounds because obviously I did the customer ref check calls, um, but I, I just couldn't invest. I didn't have the bandwidth, the mental space, none of that. Yeah, no, I think uh, multitasking is a myth, man. Like uh, I don't think most people are good at multitasking. So you, you might as well do the thing that you do well and just keep hitting the nail there, right? Um, so, Arjun, what's uh, what would be your top tip for uh, for founders fundraising in today's environment? Just one tip. Two tips on fundraising in today's environment: be patient. The reason I say be patient is because two years actually made all of us believe that, like, if it took more than a month to close, it's a lot of time. I just want to jog people's memory back to 2018 and 2019, which is not so long away. When I was raising money, it took six months one year even to close around. So be patient from that perspective because both sides need to get to know each other, right? This whole thing of doing an investment without meeting someone and never meeting them, but still investing in their company. I, I don't believe in it personally. Like I, I may be old school, but I have to meet the person in person. Right? At least that's my thought process. Second thing I think is build responsibly. That's not just for investing, but sustainability, long-term, 10 years, longer horizons, at least for brands. Um, it's back 
but should have always been there right and so you think about responsibility in your pnl responsibility for your team responsibility in the growth rate responsibility in the quality of revenue all of these things are really important there's just a thing that you said right which is about uh, you should build to last right i'm going to come back to a question on this uh, by the end of the segment but before i do right uh, i'm actually curious to know um we're also all seeing uh, you know this younger and younger breed of founders coming up now right um when i was in investment banking i used to see a lot of millennials like myself so it was very relatable now it is uh, it is a bunch of even younger folks coming up and uh, you know they have different kind of skill sets they're different people altogether right uh, could you share what your thoughts are uh, in terms of this younger uh, younger generation and what they need to be let's say cautious about and what are their strengths that they they need to double down on yeah like um, i i think uh, i i realized I'm not young anymore when I cross 30. <laughs> like you I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. 31 now. Uh things really really important for all of us to have friends on both sides of the spectrum or have not 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 friends necessarily but relationships on both sides of the spectrum right so for example I'm part of this um, group called EO entrepreneurs organization right? yeah. this group we have a forum you have a group of people that you spend time with you share with you learn together and you build a really close bond with i specifically chose a forum where everybody was older than me mm. because i said i have lots of friends my age i want a different perspective in my life and similarly raj outside of work i spend a lot of time with people between the age of 22 to 26 lot of people why because actually I also like I'm now 31. I'm going to go to my college's 10 year reunion this year. I'm 10 years out of college. I am so different. A generation used to be 10 years and became 7 years now. Generation is 5 maybe 4 years, right? I am so different from someone graduating from college today. And so I need to expose myself to the way they think, the social media platforms they use, the way they converse. what means something to them and what doesn't mean something to them i may invest in startups that may be very risky to my dad as an asset class then investing in crypto that's risky to me as an asset class then investing in nfts that's risky to me as an asset class but you know understand the way this generation functions what is amazing about this generation is they have grown up in an age of democratized information and so what i know they also know earlier i was a domain expert i was an industry expert i had some knowledge that other people didn't have now they like say we know everything about you we watched all your podcast seen all your content on youtube let's start from where we where that ended right so when i talk to someone then they're not like hey tell me about doctor ideas they're like okay now tell me specifically when you exited how did it feel right so they grown up in democratized information they have much more confidence if i speak to a 23 year old founder and he or she pitches their business to me they are as good if not better than i was when i was 28 29 in terms of the clarity of thought the way to make the deck the way to structure the deck the way to think of market sizing outcome investment dilution cap table these were things we didn't even know when we were 23 and 24 they have that information i think the thing that this generation needs to learn from us and we have a lot to learn from them is a little bit about patience and stability 
don't move on from one thing to another so quickly um and that that ambition to grow and grow and grow is good but that ambition should not move to being fickle right no absolutely yeah. you uh, kind of uh, hit the nail on the head here as well um and i think uh, some really smart founders like in their early 20s doing some great things uh, my only uh, asterisk with them right at this point is that uh, while they have had more access to information right they've also been subjected to uh, you know more time with these social media algorithms because they've grown up through them right so quite a few of if you, if they're not careful and they're not self aware right uh, a lot of them also end up as smart as they may be uh, getting into echo chambers right that becomes a very dangerous thing uh, in the longer term right and uh, th- that's what i tell them as well right that look uh, you have to hear uh, people who you disagree with right it will be painful but it is going to be so much uh, so much better for you and for your long term growth right i think if this generation kind of has has a finger on the on the pulse with respect to their um, you know basically not uh, bowing to confirmation bias right which these and because they spend most of their time on uh, on a lot of these platforms and apps and social media um, that you end up kind of uh, living in that echo chamber right so uh, so it's very important for them to kind of step out of it so the moment i figure out you know in a young founder who's very smart and they are self aware this way right for me in early stage that is just uh, i think i'm going in for for something like that right so uh, yeah i think very very similar thoughts there as well um ajay in this uh, in this environment right um, as an angel investor what's your top tip for uh, for an angel investor in this environment uh leave fomo behind don't invest because xyz is investing or uh, invest because you believe in the hot market like people invested lots in fomo uh but in this market the next round will not happen because of fomo absolutely yeah yeah bang on uh, which which takes me to my next question which is about you know the risk that uh, early stage has risks right and of course capital is in this market uh, a fairly big risk but beyond capital what do you think is the number one risk factor for uh, for an early stage company today or i mean any actually lots of risks lots of risks right uh oh, what's the top one for you oh uh, the i think uh, the most critical part of any business is not founder it's not luck it's not capital it's not background it's execution um and so the biggest risk for an early stage company is not executing your 12 month business plan mm. and that there can be various reasons right? it's a big country there could be competition there could be legislation change there could be regulatory issues there could be difficulty in hiring teams but not executing your 12 month business plan it's the biggest risk in an early stage business you miss it by 10% 20% it's okay you miss your 12 month business plan by 50 60% it's big risk for a rethink everything right you know what i think it is i think um i think uh, if you don't choose your uh, co-founders correctly right uh, in early stage that is the biggest risk actually theory on co-founders actually i'd love to hear it theory uh, you cannot find a co-founder you cannot speed date a co-founder you cannot find a co-founder on a whatsapp group 
you cannot get whatsapp intro or email intro to co-founder co-founder relationship is almost equal to marriage almost because it could end in 10-15 years marriage hopefully doesn't end ever dead to us part and stuff like that you can't find someone like this randomly right and even if you do find someone like this randomly you'll spend six months to one year of a lot of time together because you meet everything seems exciting you guys have never seen bad times in your life and when you see bad times you're like oh the relationship breaks right uh, I think you have to choose someone as a co-founder who's someone you know very well it may not be very long but definitely someone you know very well because you have to see good and bad times together before you get into it true I mean uh, I've had different experiences even with longer term relationships but but yeah, I think uh, overall, uh, overall your point definitely. Says. I, I get a message. I'm looking for a co-founder. Can you recommend someone? Yeah. How can I recommend someone for you? No, we are we are an arranged marriage society. You know, uh, everything can be arranged, right? So that's the that's the mindset. I think that uh, that has to be grown out of. Uh, Ashan, last question of this segment, right? Uh, around angel investing and venture capital and startups. Um, you've built and sold a company, the first D two C exit in the country, right? Um, and of course, you know, a lot of things had to go right for that to happen. But if you had to do it all over again, right, do it better, do it bigger, uh, with, uh, with less of, you know, uh, with more of the knowledge that you have today, uh, what are, what are the top two or three things that you would do differently, uh, than you did before? Yeah, I think first thing is that I hired a team earlier on. Um, I, I was very weak on team because I was maybe thinking I'd do it myself or I'd figure it out myself. So I'd hire a team earlier on. Uh, number two, I would say I'd invest in brand much earlier on. You have limited money. You're scared that you'll burn through all the money. So you just do performance marketing because it gives you the results. That's a short term way of thinking of things. Luckily, I operated in a different time where it worked. Today, it would not work at all. So I'd invest in brand earlier on. And number three, I would say that... Uh, I've I seen scale, right? And I've seen success now. Um, so I would dream a bit more. Um, like today's founders, and I wrote a LinkedIn post about maybe it's a Shark Tank effect. A founder doing one crore a month can easily say the word 200 crores. At 10 lakhs a month, I could not say the word 10 crores. I was scared. Right? And, and now maybe I've had hindsight. I've seen some success. I've seen other people's success. You're scared of these words. You're doing lags, you're scared to even say crore. Yeah, that's true. So I didn't dream enough. Yeah, I think um, there's a there's a whole uh, concept around this, right? So once you start understanding big numbers, right, uh, from which, whichever field that you come from, right? I came from I came from banking, and even in banking, I was uh, I was in mid market investment banking, right? Um, I knew colleagues who were in London uh, doing big numbers and things like that, right? So once you start getting your head around big numbers, right, you aren't, aren't really kind of satisfied by just saying that, hey, I'm okay with uh, 10 lakhs and 20 lakhs and things like that. You become comfortable. We're going to move on to our next segment, Arjun, which is, uh, which is around personal finance, right? And uh, I think most people watching this, most people in, in general want to make a lot of money, right? But oftentimes, you know, their, their habits, their structures, their, their just mindset, right, is not geared towards that. Um, so let's start with this, right? It's a, it's a softball uh, for you. What was your path to financial freedom? My exit. Right. 
until then i didn't have financial freedom to be honest as a founder you don't earn so much money right so i started a college i had a great job i was paid a lot of money at that time 2 and a half lakh rupees a month at age 23 24 then i let go of all of that to be a founder um but my dad made us uh disciplined about taking a salary mm. both and, and trisha was at goldman and then um in the uk and then at nike and stuff like that so she also was sort of used to getting remunerated so we took 67 pay 67% pay cuts from our last job when we joined doctor so we had some money at least to be able to take care of our expenses like whatever little payments we had to do whatever little like you go out for dinner with friends etc we didn't have we, I, i i still don't have a lavish lifestyle by the way i have i don't have a lavish lifestyle i never choose to have a lavish lifestyle um but that little bit we were able to pay and at least do all of that right uh, but i think my my path was was sort of the exit um and then from there it was financial freedom for pretty much i would say given that i don't have a lavish lifestyle for the rest of my life that's awesome man and how is uh, how is your wealth divided between different asset classes let's say public public equities private equity real estate gold we follow that 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 sort of typical family office investing mindset right you start from fixed deposits and you go all the way down to angel investment you do everything in between right so fixed deposits um government bonds um at what we used to do mlds we don't do them anymore reits um then venture debt then on the equity side think personal portfolio personal portfolio across all of these asset classes right so it's a in our family and, and we all follow the same by the way um it's it's something like 55% equity 45% debt um, we're a little bit more on the conservative side and i am by the way the trailblazer who invests most of my equity in like unlisted early stage and stuff so out of the 55% uh, uh, equities uh, you you probably have what 80% in private equity and uh, at basically startups is that is that yeah. right yeah maybe maybe 65% types for me my dad is the exact opposite he has two startup investments and that's about it really and he keeps sending me stuff like is it bad times and things like that right? but we follow a structured family office approach and, and and we sort of manage our finances all together as a family we're still that sort of traditional gujarati family mindset uh but but we do it across asset classes and i think the one asset class which we invest a lot in which would be out of the ordinary of sort of the typical financial instruments that are available to everyone is um gold and jewelry um just because that's my family business um and so my dad has at least um we think he has unfair access to information and trends because he's been doing it for 35 years um so uh yeah i mean like real estate and and financial instruments and stuff we do but right. we also have some exposure to this asset class which maybe more a lot of people don't have right No, and and that's a that's a really good point right because people when they think about um, asset allocation uh, you cannot think about that in a in a vacuum right because uh, some because yeah. somebody yes i should keep telling my dad we are so invested in this yeah. so invested in this and then but it's about unfair gold advantage gold prices at all time high go to gold prices at all time high right and then i'm like then he's like check the price and then i was like sell everything yeah yeah <laughs> no but but uh, that, that's where the difference comes in right uh, if the same way he's he's worried about your startup investments you have an unfair advantage there right because you have uh, access to information yeah. more information than he does and same i think uh, the reverse would be true for some uh, other asset class like gold so i think uh, the balancing of that portfolio is something that should be dependent over time on your competitive advantages right and that's something that Correct. i think is very important 
for people to know at this point because otherwise there's a very templatized approach right 100 minus your age put into equities and what not uh, but i think it's a little bit more nuanced than that correct i agree with you and i, I hope i have an advantage with yeah. <laughs> the results i hope i, I hope I yeah me too man i'm in the same boat as you what's the worst uh, personal finance decision you've made in your life that you regret oh maybe investing in too many startups i don't know we'll see i don't have the answer to that i don't have the answer to that worst personal finance decision that i regret maybe i didn't invest as much when covid hit and the market was at an all time low because i was scared yeah but i think i sold a lot of position yeah i sold a lot of position out of fear right so maybe that's a that's a bad decision but i don't blame myself for it right? those are just weird but that's that that psychology right like uh, the same way you're feeling about uh, when the markets fell march 2020 to 7500 or something right nifty fell to 7500 um uh, that that's a situation of the startup ecosystem right now right um and uh, but but and people are like you know and there are a lot of you know uh, my lps etc everyone is uh, everyone is apprehensive right yeah. but uh, it's very difficult to kind of explain to people that look valuations are the down the good part about startups is you don't you don't see the share price every day change. yeah you don't see the mark uh, markup in the markdowns right and uh, so so yeah you don't see it every day yeah correct what's the best uh, personal finance decision that you've made yet to be made yet to be made yet to be made okay yet to be made i think um, i'm really like i thought very deeply about investing in a home and i always thought it was a really bad decision um because if you look at rent yields it's always sort of cheaper to rent right um uh, but then i think from like now i've had a baby and all that stuff i think the security of maybe having my own home and sort of buying it myself i think that's a it's a good feeling i don't know if it's a great personal finance choice because that capital could have been better invested somewhere else but i think from a security perspective it's a great feeling no absolutely i think uh, that's a great answer as well right because uh, even and this is a thing which a lot of young uh, folks right even including me at least about until 5 years back um, i would think that you know uh, buying a house is a bad investment but uh, but the security of it all right you're not pricing that in security right second thing is that yeah. Um, yeah. in a country like india everybody talks about the rental yield right um, as a percentage of the entire uh, the, the value of the property uh, now the issue is that uh, and especially in uh, big cities like delhi kolkata bangalore bombay right uh, i've heard so many stories where uh, rentals are going up not like 10 20% where suddenly the landlords come and said hey uh, rent is double take it or leave it right so uh, so the thing is that while prices might have gone up for for housing first right and those can become a little bit sticky over time uh, now rental yields will start catching up so Uh, so the thing is that you have to uh, make those decisions uh, not in a vacuum right you have to try to understand a bigger picture because uh, india is growing there's a lot of capex coming in um, so rental yields will go up right because everybody will want to come into cities because cities are engines of economic growth um, and that means that rental yields will also go up so so i think that uh, that's a that's a really good answer um, personally i think uh, i'm not sure if the personal finance decision but what one that i expect will serve us well uh, which you thought was the worst decision um, i think uh, i think startup investments in the next uh, decade or so uh, will turn out to be a great uh, great decision because 
Uh, I hope so, man. Because no, because I, uh, no, because because, because so. I think uh, the very basic nature of it, right? The the size of the market right now, the venture capital ecosystem in India is very small, right? Um, yeah. And the fact that you are actually participating in it consistently, because that's the form of SIP in startup investing, right? It is different. Right. It is different from uh, public equities. So if you're consistently investing the right. way you are, the way we are, um, right? Uh, I think that is a that is the uh, decision that's going to turn out well for a lot of people right because you got in early in a right. smaller market and you got a bigger chunk of that right and then you kind of rode ro- right. the wave so as long as you're making sensible bets not trying to just uh, splurge it can kind of turn out to be a, a game changing uh, investment uh, investment area right uh, final question for you as my dad Sorry. says from your mouth to god's ears yeah from my mouth to god's ears let's hope so uh, my final question to you today, Arjun, is that uh, we spoke about the venture capital ecosystem. We, we spoke about personal finance. Uh, what would be your advice to to somebody starting up today, no matter the segment, the sector, uh, the age, um, as somebody who's backing the, uh, you're literally backing the startup ecosystem with your personal, professional career, everything that you are, that you have, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so your words are. Are going to be quite quite heavy because you are betting literally your career on this uh, on this ecosystem. What would be your advice for an entrepreneur starting up as of today? So I'll talk to two people, right? One is an entrepreneur starting up. Two is someone who wants to start investing. The entrepreneur starting up actually uh, like right time, man, uh, because the next ten years in India are going to be game changing. I'm very patriotic with this band with the Indian flag on my hand. I've been wearing it for the last twelve, thirteen years. But I think just given I'm, I'm part of a global setup. Um, our head office is in Belgium. We have offices in New York, in London, in Singapore, in India. Um, I think India is where it's at. We have free economy, largest middle class, sort of brand aspiration still being built, brand star nation. Um, the growth is here. And so stay hungry, stay foolish, and keep building for the entrepreneurs. I have a specific advice for people who are wanting to sort of be in the investment world, aspiring angel investors, people who want to enter VC, build relationships, right? Um, Raj sent me a message saying, Hey dude, um, I'm doing this podcast. I wanted to be on the podcast. I replied in a second saying, yes, I'll do it. I've come back from a vacation. I barely got home at 645. We're recording this podcast at 8 p.m., right? The reason I did it for Raj is because we already have a relationship. Had Raj come to me and said, hey, dude, share some deal flow with me. Um, I may not even like seriously respond to that message because I genuinely have this way of wanting to reply and help out reply and say, okay, sure, sure, sure. But I wouldn't take it as seriously as Raj saying, hey, man, let's just catch up. Let's meet for a meal. Let's share ideas. Once in a while, let's talk about deals. But every time we talk, Let's not talk about deals, right? Let's not have a transactional relationship. I think that relationships are built um, with more than just transactions. And if you do that, you can actually build value together. Right. No, I think, uh, amen to that, man. Uh, one of the best things that I'd heard from uh, from one of my mentors in the past, right? He was like, um, you want to become a really good businessman? That's the word he used, right? You want to become a really good businessman? Uh, take the transactional out of a transactional relationship. Right, uh, and that's how, and and I think uh, that's bang on, right? And uh, and that's what that's what we do, man. Uh, thank you so much, Arjun, for taking the time. And, and, and I'll just yeah. give you one yeah, example sure. to end the conversation. Right, we were to record from eight to nine, 
we only started recording at 8 to 20 because for the first 15 20 minutes i wanted to talk to you about you before we started recording this right? i would have just been like hey man let's record right and i've, I've recorded podcasts where someone has done that they're like okay cool let's start because i have only one hour long but that's not how it is no i think uh, yeah that that uh, that advice is bang on i think it's something that uh, that everyone can actually learn from and uh, and hopefully you know uh, i have this relationship with you right and i think uh, it's something that i would want to replicate with a lot of lot of other people right uh, because because that's what people who are in it for the long term do right uh, we're not we're not in Absolutely. this ecosystem for one year two year five years right um, so that's what i'd like to kind of end uh, end this podcast on uh, Guys, both Arjun and I are uh, very active angel investors. If you guys have ideas, feel free to reach out to him or to me, and uh, we will definitely get you back because Arjun, that's a that's a key metric for us, right? Absolutely. Awesome, Raj. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored to be on the inaugural episode of this podcast. Wishing you all the best for the podcast, man. Summing up our conversation with Arjun with three top takeaways. Number one. The best motivation for personal branding is to become the top of mind guy for your audience. Case in point, Arjun is the top of mind guy for any founder ideating a D2C startup. Number two, brands need to be more creative and start thinking like creators, whereas creators need to be more business minded and start thinking like brands. And the person who can actually traverse both sides is likely to find outrageous success in today's day and age. And number three, building your network isn't about how wide you can go. It's about how deep you can go with the people who come into your life. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of First Unicorn Chats. I look forward to seeing you in the next one.